Hello and welcome to Take 97, a film podcast with your host David Ingram. Uh, on today's episode we're going to be talking all things soundtrack, but more specifically film scores. Uh, so you won't be hearing any of those favourite pop soundtracks that you know and love so much with all your favourite artists on them. You'll be hearing about pure, honest music. And on today's episode I've got a special guest with me, my first ever guest on the podcast, uh, a very good friend of mine and he composes music for short film and maybe even feature film which we'll get to later on in the podcast uh projects uh various musical genres of all kinds and i'll let him talk about about all that as we get to it and the man i'm talking about is benjamin doherty uh ben doherty i'd like to introduce you to the podcast welcome to the podcast Hello, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, no, that's all right. Um, so, obviously, today's uh, episode is all centred on soundtracks and uh, film scores specifically. Uh, I just want to really briefly introduce my listeners to you, and we'll just talk to you about your own work. Later on in the podcast, we'll be getting to the topic of discussion, which is film scores, and particularly Ben's favourite film scores, which are his top five, and maybe a few others along the way. Uh, but first of all, just like to uh, talk to you about what you've been up to. How, how have you been finding uh, lockdown as we speak, as we record this episode? I mean, it's tough being locked inside, but I've actually found it quite productive. I've been able to focus on my own sort of like musical um, goals, I guess, working on certain tracks, certain genres, and sort of trying to improve my craft as a writer. No, that's perfect. Uh, so, um, so obviously you you've said the creative juices are flowing now. You've been locked inside with nothing much else to do apart from maybe the odd video call here and there, like we're all partial to. Um, but obviously, you say you I've introduced you as a, a musician composer, really, uh, for various projects that I've known you for because uh, we've met through uni. So I've known you to do a varying degree of several different types of music. Um, so you're quite, your work is quite varied, but I'd like to maybe just first start off with asking, uh, asking like what any particular favourites you've had over the years since you started getting into the composing side of things. Uh, genres or films? Uh, I don't, let's start off with genres. Let's start off with genres. I really like scoring for sort of like horror. That's a, a particular mm. favourite of mine or dramas because they're both quite uh sort of emotional in a sense that there's you've got to be quite subtle at times but also other times you can be quite um impactful and quite in the face that's two of my favorite genres to score oh nice no that, that's that's very interesting actually uh, i'm not really a massive horror fan as such but like i i'm very picky when it comes to my horror films if i'm honest because i don't know i kind of like the old-fashioned like the ones from the 70s and the 80s i like those kind of horror films i'm not really a fan of these modern ones but i always i do feel uh, the one thing i do notice though is the music the music in modern horror films it it says something on its own really it kind of i i feel that the music deserves more credit in horror films than the actual horror of a horror film I mean, would you agree um i wouldn't necessarily deserves more credit i think it's certainly a big impact to the the genre like like any other sort of film Music helps elevate scenes, and I think music creates automatic tension, which is designed in a lot of horror. Hmm. No, that, that's fair enough, actually. But um, what I was going to ask you, so obviously we've talked about the you like horror. Um, is there? A, would you mind just telling us a little bit extra about yourself? So talk to us about how you got so how you got into film music composing, composing music for films, or just music in general, really, because you're a you're just graduating a 
music student at Oxford Brookes University. Um, is there any particular reason why you went down this path, or or is it just something you've always loved? Um, well, I didn't really like listening to music until I was like uh, twelve. At that point, I think my parents just asked me if I wanted to learn an instrument, and I was just like, "Go on, man!" So I just started learning guitar, and was more like interested in sort of like joining bands. And then when I turned like sixteen or went into A levels. I sort of had an interest in sort of like writing for video games and thought, hang on, why not like make this a, a dream, writing for media. Oh no, no, no! That's 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 really cool. And and like I said um, uh, earlier, I know Ben already personally outside of this podcast, so I I have my connections in places. Uh, but I feel that. Um, you know the the weight of a film now obviously you said that you wanted to go into video game um scoring which i'm assuming that's something you'd still like to do is that something you'd still like to do like now yeah I'll, I'll just write music for anything works for me no music is your passion uh but i obviously i've met you through a tv pilot episode that's recently gone out on amazon prime uh, called How to Dress for the Apocalypse, and you did the music for that. Um, could you tell us about what that was like? So you're like, obviously, you've had success in other areas, um, but what was it like to to start off with, like your a genuine job where it was to score a TV pilot on Amazon Prime? What was that like for you? It was, it was pretty surreal seeing it on Amazon and like seeing your credit, your name on Amazon Prime. Yeah, pretty that, cool when the credits rolling. Um, as a process, it was. Um, a really fun one because there was like quite like a range of genres needed for the just the pilot like from the opening credits music to uh maybe i don't want to spoil anything about the episode like uh different characters themes like they all have different genres sort of like inspirations which is quite a fun challenge to, to do that yeah no honestly uh, and i have seen the episode and obviously this is a film podcast but obviously um I would encourage our uh, my listeners to have a li- have a little watch. If you've got Amazon Prime, check out How to Dress for the Apocalypse. It's just one twenty minute episode. Ben has done a pretty good job on the music. I mean, I'm gonna put that modestly there for you, so that you're not <laughs> blushing too much on the other side. Um, but yeah, it's so you describe the process of music, and obviously, it seems to become your passion. Um, can you tell us about what you're working on like now? Is it just any specific big time projects or anything like that, or anything that you've been doing? because you haven't had a chance to do it before and because of lockdown you've been able to do it or not really uh recently uh, i'd say a few weeks ago maybe in months actually i don't know how time time flies so quickly in lockdown um i really wanted to and managed to sit down and write like a, an ambient album um just musical just like uh, it was to do with nature and like calm i just want like guitar and piano sort of, sort of focused on like reacts and music and that's the interact something like released on spotify yeah no. and now i'm working on the uh the feature film project uh manhouse murders which is a murder mystery thriller yes now that, that's from um director govin chandran am i am i correct is that is that right i, I <laughs> you are correct i am correct i mean i say this i i do know i mean we both know gov um who hopefully i will get onto the podcast very soon um, but I, yeah, that's looking to be a very, very good project. I, I actually had a little peek at the script the other day, a little sneak peek, and it's looking very good. And in terms of the music, because um, I know there's certain music that's been thought of for the specific scenes 
within the film and I know I, I feel I've heard that you and Mr. Chandran have had like a very close bond over the past couple of years year or so um, where you've started collaborating a lot recently and getting lots of ideas going like do you find that quite a nice a related like work dynamic do you like to work with your directors quite closely when the music comes along like or do you just get given a brief yeah, and then you I, go on I, I like working with the directors closely because it's just as important for them to to hear the process from the beginning and to know what they want and to tell me what they don't like and yeah i think it's just as important for them to help create the music as me so would you uh moving on slightly obviously you you say you like to work with directors talk about what they want to do um would you say that you had a specific style of music in terms of the the products that you produce the music pieces that you produce or would you say you can just do anything would you say you, you're open to doing anything or would you have a specific style i don't know if i have a specific style but i would say i'm certainly like really interested in music that sets a, an atmosphere and sort of very sort of i quite like making leaving a lot of space in the music and sort of letting the visuals like tell the story but the, the music just emphasizes it's quite subtle i like quite like doing subtle Oh, so, you, so you like to be the accompaniment to the main show, is that? Uh, but obviously, yeah. in your case, I I do feel that music can really make or break a film. Uh, w would you agree with that? Would you say that there are some times where the music has completely undercut the film or gone completely a different direction to what was the visuals are saying? Would you like what? How important would you say the role of music is? Any well, film any form of media really filmmaking tv games anything would you say it was quite an important role obviously you're a bit I'd, biased I'd say, but... I'd say good <laughs> biasly i'd say it's, it's the best bit um yeah <laughs> but i think it goes hand in hand with visuals and they, they both help lift each other sort of yes no I, I i definitely agree with that i mean we're just we're going to get to your top five picks and also one of my picks as well later on in the podcast um discussing how like they really make those mo moments either like you find those moments of subtlety poignance and just genuine human emotion that you get from certain films like i will plan to do a podcast on another uh so i might even get you back if you fancy it but i i'm you know going to talk about pop soundtracks and then how pop songs which don't have any relation to each other whatsoever work well with the film that they've been un like scored to as it were like they score the film but Obviously, for this episode, the idea of the film score, it's as old as time gone by. You know, you've always had music accompanying film, even in the silent days. Usually, because obviously in the silent days, they had live bands. They play it along with the film just being projected on the screen. And obviously, with the advent of sound beyond the 1920s, moving into the 30s, you'd have all the, um, all the great... Uh, composers starting to really learn their craft and obviously all the Hollywood studio systems would bring all their, uh, you know, all the usual suspects, you know, Bernard Herrmann, those, the, the likes of those. Yeah. Do you have any particular role models from like either like the past, like, like the, the times gone by or even one like contemporaries? So people from like the industry nowadays uh, of any musical background, any personal favourites of yours or people you look up to? Uh, when I first started off, it was certainly John Williams. I feel that's like almost like everyone's go-to, but um, <laughs> now as I've started to sort of like try and find my own sound, I think uh, certainly uh, John Johnny Greenwood, mm. uh, Alexandre Desplat, and I do really like Bernard Herrmann. Mm. 
yeah those ones are certainly like quite quite inspiring to me yeah no i Um, honestly i mean you can't think of hitchcock without herman half the time i mean and it's the same for many other filmmakers there's so many from the old the old guard as it were where you think about all these great partnerships you know you think about the like hitchcock and his blondes and all the actors and actresses that are associated with with the films and the same for any other director really but the music is really something that really underpins the whole thing as you say and obviously you're biased because you you (laughs) you love your music and you are the music man but I feel as someone who just likes film for film for me personally and maybe other people who are listening to this I do feel that music is it, it really just enhances the experience but like not I mean there are some directors like for instance my favorite one of my favorite directors Baz Luhrmann he really puts a lot of effort into his soundtracks in the sense that they are just as much a part of the film as they are the as the accompaniment shall, shall we say they're not just window dressing they are literally there for a purpose and obviously he yeah. deals a lot in the pop soundtracks but in terms of the scores i know because i i know so many so many great films which we will get into in a minute have done the same thing where they've beautifully matched what is visually aesthetically beautiful on the screen to what you can hear and that's where it really i i personally love it and obviously you must love bringing that joy to the screen as well um so we've talked about you for a bit what you've been working on recently um very much looking forward to the manor house murders uh as well as obviously if you want to see uh on a little tv pilot check out how to dress for the apocalypse on amazon prime if you've got 20 minutes spare some great music in there from ben um don't just take my word for it have a listen some great stuff um but now i want to move on to the main part of the show main discussion your top five i would like to pass over the torch to you and ask you to discuss your top five picks for your top five film score soundtracks uh, of your favourite films, uh, we we had a discussion about this before we came on, uh, and um, there's there's some really good films here, and, and I want you to just take it away and tell us why you really like them, and pick out like maybe like some key moments, like like one solid piece of music you love from that soundtrack. But I'll hand it over to you, Ben. Uh, so enter with your first one. Uh, I'd like to set you off there. Yeah. Um, if Bill Street could talk, it's got to be one of my favourite soundtracks of all time. I don't know um, if you've heard this one, David, but um, when I like, I first watched If Your Street Could Talk, I, I didn't really know much about it, and I hadn't watched Moonlight, so I didn't really know the sort of Barry Jenkins, Nicholas Brittell sort of like duo. And when I came to watch it, the, the score just like reflects everything in the visuals so beautifully in the story. Like You can mm-hmm. listen to the soundtrack, and you just get the sense of the story and where everything fits, and it's, it's, it's beautiful, like... um. Yeah, you see, I um, I've read that. I I I have to admit, I haven't long seen it, um, as of the recording of this, um, but I'd read the book because I heard the film. Obviously, the film was a big made. It was like it was meant to be really good, and I was like, okay, I'll probably watch this. But I heard that it was. Uh, it's very uncommon for me as well because I like to, I like to sometimes watch the film first, very badly, admittedly, watch the film first, then read the book because then I can picture what I've just seen in the book, which kind of, for some people, is probably heresy. As I, as they're listening, they're thinking, how can he How can he do that? How can he listen to... How can he watch the film and then read the book? You've got to make your own mind up about the characters. Is he insane? Well, quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody else listening to the podcast, I am insane. But 
that is my process. But I read the, but this uh, one occasion I did read the book first, and I really, you know, it was so vivid in the way that it was, it was written, and obviously it, it's not a new book by any account. So I thought, oh god, the, the film's got to live up to this. And I watched the film, and I actually really, you know, the film itself is good. It, it's a good film. I highly recommend if Bill, if Bill Street could talk. It's a really good film. Um, Barry Jenkins, the director, was it? If I'm correct. Yes. Yeah, it's a very good film. Um, very inspirational um, on many levels and so relevant. And it's a brilliant film. Um, and who was the one who did the score for that? Was that Nicholas uh, Nicholas Brattel, if I'm correct? In yeah, thinking? it was Nicholas Brattel. Yeah. yeah. Could you tell us a little? So um, obviously you say it gets the feel of the of the film. And I personally, I, I, I don't know about you, what your top pit like moment from the soundtrack is from the score, but I personally loved um, Ye Who Enter Here. Ye Who Enter Here. That okay. w- that was one particular moment that really stood out for me. And it was... I kind of got a very ghostly yet nostalgic feel of jazz in there because I do love a, yes. a good jazz sound. And that's that's kind of... A, that's the ongoing sound throughout the entire score of If Beale Street Could Talk, that resonance of... Uh, an era gone by and it, it very much captures the essence of that time and yeah i just got a very i mean i can't sympathize with all the emotions with in the film personally as someone who hasn't experienced what's going on in the film what went on in the film or in you know what was written in the book but i did get a very ghostly nostalgic feel from yeah. ye who enter i don't like what do you think about like the what qualities does the soundtrack bring well, recently, actually, like I read an interview um, Nicholas had, and I kind of liked his approach to the film. Like, like he wanted to make jazz like a, a sound, like you said, of the soundtrack because of the, the setting, the the era, at the time. And but he took an approach of like not necessarily composing in the style of jazz, but took inspiration from jazz, but in more composed in a classical sense. And I don't know, it just creates a sense of structure, but the emotion of jazz and like the the track and was it. Yeah, Argate. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, no, I do. Yes, no. It was very no. I um, yeah. So what, that what, what track were your certainly has like a a lot of like has like the whole summary of the film that there's a mm. there's love, there's happiness, there's that like joy, there's dreams, but also heartache and like everything that comes with the not meeting your dreams and like losing everything. Certainly encapsulates it. the film that piece for me. Yeah, exactly. And it's that there's a certain. I don't, I'm not a musician, so I can't really describe it properly. You're probably more more qualified to do that. But like, there's a certain motif that's in "Ye Who Enter Here," which I believe is used in the title the title piece. So the "If Beale Street Could Talk" um, piece, which I I think is used for the end credits and also the opening. Um, it's just yes. a, a constant running like jazz motif, and I don't know. For me, brass instruments of the and you know music of that era it really evokes that you know the 50s 60s that that pain e- even going back to the 1920s really because jazz has obviously existed for way longer than just obviously the big band era because obviously you've got the various different um sections you've got like big band of the 40s 50s um and you you know rhythm and, rhythm and blues all those different forms of jazz uh, the different iterations of it i do feel that in this film it plays a very good role in the sense that it, you know, again, it's what we dis, what I said earlier. It's not just window dressing. It's the fact that it's, it's very much a character in its own. And if you didn't have the music in there, it would be. I mean, it wouldn't be a boring film because the message of the film is beautiful. It's well shot. It's a beautifully told yeah. story. 
but I feel that the music really that's where the music where score scored music really does pay pay its due so i i love that personally so i may have talked for longer than you did just then but i i personally i personally loved um i personally loved the the jazz elements to it because that's my kind of thing uh along with many other things because as we will learn i've got such a varied taste and we can't really escape that so we'll move on to your next pick so would you like to introduce your next um pick in your top five Alright, the next one I want to talk about is um, Hereditary. Oh, nice. Now, this is an interesting one. Tell us more about Hereditary. Um, isn't that Colin Stetson, I believe, is the film yes. composer for that? He was the composer for it. And as I mentioned before, like horror is one of my favorite genres to write for. And this film is a film that definitely inspires me musically as a composer for horror. And just that like, Colin Stetson uses so many dark synths and dark sounds that, like, it just the sound of it is dread. The sound of the score is dread and unease and is unsettling. But my favourite track has got to be the the last track of which is played in the final scene of the film, which is uh, Reborn. Oh, it's it's interesting you say that because in my little rundown of notes that I've got here, I actually wrote Reborn down as one of my favourite tracks from it. So <laughs> that's very yeah. good. Great minds think alike. Uh, tell us more about Reborn. But it just starts off with this sort of like beautiful uh, sort of like clarinet movement, which just sounds so calm. And mm. for me, half of this this piece, a uh, four minute piece, like two minutes of it, is very calm and sort of almost relaxing, but unnerving at the same time. And then as the piece develops, a sense of triumph appears, but still uneasy. And then it just turns, it just turns chaotic and just fully unnerving. And that's just just like despite being horror you can still have a range of emotions rather than just like dread and being scary there's a certain like beauty to this score you see it's very interesting i I just want to clarify before we recorded this epic this this podcast me and ben didn't really talk about much about our opinions on this so like anything that i'm thinking is purely on my own and whatever he's saying is completely on his own um so this is really ironic because not only did I say that Reborn was one of my favourite pieces from the score, um, but I also equally found it uplifting uh, and very, you know, I got that same feeling of like the the a weird sense of melancholic joy, I suppose, if if that's a way of putting yeah, there's, it. Yeah, there's a sense of a weird euphoria. Yeah, I, I kind of, what I, I wrote down, a, what was it I wrote down? I said that it was, um, it, it, it's almost holy in a sense. Yeah almost holy and and to be honest the nature of horror i do feel like because lots of horrors do borrow from that the the fear of like religion and such and like you know i i know in like quite a lot of because you get stuff like um the nun and various other films related to several Mm, areas of religion which have been like twisted or used for a a form of like something terrifying to make it seem very like it, it, it's established, but it, at the same time, it's very you know, it's it's always there. It's always you know, it's just running in the background. But it, there's something sinister beneath the, and that's kind of what I feel. The whole soundtrack of Hereditary as a whole, for me, in my opinion, I don't know about you, yeah. but I feel that Hereditary soundtrack, uh, the score, is very, it's it's a mixture of terrifying, uplifting, very holy, and very very creepy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a horror, so it's meant to be creepy. But the initial vibes—that is what I'm getting from this. And I just feel, yeah. I mean, as a a horror score lover yourself, I'm sure this must have been like a gold mine for you to go to 
well, whenever you watched it, whenever you watched it, the um, listening to all those sounds. And you said that they use synths. Is that is that quite common in horror? Would you say, or is that more of a recent thing? Um, well, I think it's certainly more in recent horror, mm. definitely in modern horror. But um, I know that the director himself for this film, Ari Aster, um, when he, he was writing this the script for Hereditary, he was listening to the music of Con Stetson whilst composing, uh, write, sorry, writing the film. Oh, right, so okay. He, he, so he heard, so the sound of Hereditary from day one was the sound of Con Stetson's work. So he got him on board and um, made everyone listen to his music who was working on it and Alex Wolf who stars in um Hereditary was listening to his music apparently like on set religiously wow. in between takes wow that is so that just goes to show like how music is a big mindset for a film and can help really set the tone that really does and um I, I, I could talk about we could talk about Hereditary all day but what I'm going to do is going to segue into your third pick because and I think I mean the last three I mean, I like all of these, but, you know, I'm interested to see what your third pick is, um, because we'll, we'll we'll see what you what you bring to us, because I the first two that we've just discussed are so different. You've got you've got jazz of the 20th century and uh, in a very like romantic, ghostly, nostalgic view. And now we've got like synth horror uh, uh, with like very creepy, joyful, holy tones. So uh, what's the next one on your list? Uh, the next one I'm gonna have to say is Lord of the Rings. Oh, you see, I, you see, I again, I want to clarify before we came onto this podcast, I didn't tell Ben to go in a specific order. I may have said which one I liked the most, possibly, but I didn't tell him to go in any specific order. So the fact he said Lord of the Rings next is interesting uh, because I was, I was having a debate: will it be Star Wars or will it be, will it, will it be anything else like the we like big franchisey and you know i was close it's definitely one of the big franchises so tell us why you like uh, lord of the rings uh, so is that all three films that you're appraising here i couldn't really decide one on one of them <laughs> well you can really decide uh, so yeah. so you like the overall the overall feel of the fellowship and that 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 long distant yeah, the... journey into into J.R. Tolkien. Uh, so tell us more. Um, so the score is, uh, first of all, worth noting. It's by Howard Shaw. Am I correct in thinking? Yeah, it is. Um, yes, correct. So I love this, um, the music of Lord of the Rings. I mean, I grew up watching Lord of the Rings, so it could be a sense of nostalgia, but there are so many prominent themes, musical themes throughout the, the trilogy, but each one is just as memorable as the other. And like the, the way he uses themes throughout to like subtly suggest stuff and like to convey meaning visually using the musical themes, I think it's just a, like a, a great example of like like theme writing for characters, for locations, for yeah. objects. It's, it's really powerful. And I I suspect for people who are listening who might not have ever, I mean, people who have may have never seen Lord of the Rings or may uh, who might have seen Game of Thrones, I know. Personally, for me, I know they're no, they're not exact, they're not the same by any means because that again, I'd commit like literary heresy again. Uh, <laughs> but I do feel that yeah, obviously you get that similar like old a that fictional like magical realm uh, in in both the aspects of like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. But obviously they're they're completely different, and I feel Lord of the Rings. Obviously, I get a bit nostalgic because it's I didn't watch them when they first came out. Because obviously, and and I'm guessing you probably didn't either, because we were both probably too young when they initially came out. But like yeah. to like fully appreciate them. But I do get for our generation who were born in the '90s, like late '90s, 
there's a great sense of nostalgia for the Lord of the Rings. And it's the same where people have nostalgia for John Williams in the Harry Potter series. I love, you know, like just the main Harry Potter theme. I, you know, I get nostalgic about that because that's one of my favorite ones. But like Lord of the Rings equally, it's it's such a big mythos and such a great set of books, like big, big books that people love. So the fact that um, they managed to do the films justice musically as well as visually, it kind of really opens you up to that whole that otherworldliness of it. Um, I won't dwell on that one too long because I want to move on to the next one. I think I may have given one of your picks away because I did just say it a second ago. Whoops. Uh, But would you like to move on Um, to your your next one? uh, Should we go uh, Star Wars then? Yeah, Star Wars. Why not? Because I I, I definitely gave that away. Uh, (laughs) So tell us, uh, is it the original we're talking about, the 1977 George Lucas film, or just Star Wars, the original trilogy in general? Um, I mean... Or just everything. In general, I just love the Star Wars music with John Williams, but I, I thought of the original trilogy in mind. Too. Good, good. There'll be lots of people at home that'll be thinking, yes, he's a purist. <laughs> it's great. He's not talking about the prequels. <laughs> well, the, which the, we... the prequels have got good music. I mean, the prequels, to be fair, because are they they're John Williams as well? Am I correct in thinking? Well, the prequels, original trilogy, and sequels are all scored by John Williams. Yeah, I think yeah. it's... Yeah, you see, because that's the, that's the thing, you see. That's why I feel with the Star Wars, all the Star Wars films, because they've got such a great continuity of music, you do feel like you're sucked into the world. And I, I don't know, what about... What do you think about that? Do you do you feel that the music really unites all, all nine films, no matter how bad people think certain films are? Attack of the Clones, I'm talking about you. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I Music has a big impact. I mean, especially I grew up watching the prequels, though. But as soon as you hear mm. the, the opening credits music, you know what you're watching. You know, you get excited. You're like, oh, yeah. I'm ready for this. Yeah, it's no, just, it's certainly a hype moment for me. It's it's definitely. I mean, again, me, I'm similar age to you, so I do remember the prequels when they first came out. I remember Revenge of the Sith more than any of them because I was probably more compassmentous in my like movie and TV viewing back then. But I do yeah. feel that, yeah. The you can't beat the originals because obviously they were the ones that founded everything and it, it's just the opening opening and closing music really isn't it of John Williams it just it's magical and it it really makes you yeah. feel although it's not a Steven Spielberg set of films um the original trilogy you do because it's all George Lucas um start his little brainchild I do feel that you get that lovely sense of magic that you get in E T at the same time. Because obviously E.T. is yeah. very magical and like you get that like wind-swept, blowy kind of atmosphere. That's not a musical term, but I'm going to go with it. Um, and I do feel that, I mean, obviously, you can tell, you can come up with your own terms because you're the music man. Um, but I'm just the mere man of visuals, um, apart from on this podcast, of course, because you can't see me. Um, <laughs> but I do love Star Wars. Uh, the original trilogy is a great one. Um, and like you said, the beginning, it's purely good. But I'm going to let you talk now about your final pick for a little bit longer than me what is your final pick uh my final pick is possibly one of my all-time favorite film scores especially of the late years is um the shape of water oh now this film i absolutely love this film it's beautifully shot it's directed by uh for those of you who haven't seen um the shape of water it's directed by the insane and the brilliant gilmora del toro who you might know for devil's backbone as one film potentially that's one that i know i mean through my studies and through other research that i've done um but also pan's labyrinth is the one that most people will know him for because that's the one with the the guy with the eyes the eyes on his hand uh but but yeah talk to us about the shape of water tell us more about your favorite uh bits from that 
Well, um, the music itself, I think, has a really big importance. I think Alessandro did that, like, does it perfectly here. Like, the the two, like, main characters, the Amphibian Man and Eliza, both have no voice. So, um, music is their, their voice. They have their own instruments. Uh, the whistling represents Eliza. The accordion is, uh, is the monster and the main theme. And I just think it's really thought out really well, in the, especially to see them... I did some research on the accordion playing was actually played in a South American style, which is where the amphibian man actually originates from. So they've even like localized the musical style to where he's from. And the music just has a sense of quirkiness, romance, but mystery. I just love it. It is truly a beautiful film. I will always, and I, I, I know this. I knew this before I came on. Uh, it is one. Of, I was wondering whether Ben would leave the best till last, and he definitely has. The Shape of Water is obviously Ben just described the music there. You really have summed that up because the music's beautiful. But in terms of, from my point of view, the visuals, the film is just a a work of art. It's beautiful, and it really it, it did win Best Picture in the end, didn't it? Because it it it, def- it, it definitely yeah. did definitely deserved it. Yes. No, it was a, it's beautifully shot. I love the color palette. The color palette is beautiful. Um, you will learn this as we go through the podcast. I love a good, decent cinematography uh, color palette. Um, particularly Joker is another one that I like. That's a good one. In terms of soundtracks, actually, on a side note, I'm surprised you didn't put Joker in this top five. I know. Because... There was a, I want a few honourable mentions oh. I would like to add. Oh, well, okay, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, The Shape of Water, I, do feel, I wanted to point out, actually, I don't know what your opinion is. Although... Yeah, you know, we talk about scores today and how they accompany the music and it's just it's beauty and everything else in between. The songs there there's actually a song on there which um obviously the music's composed by the main composer, uh Alexandre Display Display Display, if I pronounce that correctly. Yeah, I'll let you do that. <laughs> um but it's uh it's called You'll Never Know. And if anyone's seen the film, you will know the song because it's it's the one most like obviously paired with the film and most people will have heard it um but it features uh, a lovely uh, a lovely beautiful voice um uh, renee fleming and she's it, it really brings a tear to my i don't know what what's your opinion on it because i love that song and even though we're talking about the music here i do feel that this is one of the exceptions that we can say as a highlight from the soundtrack even though it's got words to it and it's not just the music alone yeah i think it's a beautiful song it was i like um alexander Dierpel's arrangement of the song and i think it certainly sums up the the atmosphere and the, the tone of the film and there's a certain romance so it just does add and sort of exemplify the, the emotions yeah and i do feel that the period is very because it, it's because it's very much it's set in the 60s and you do get that lovely lovely sweet homely all american feel in parts of the score um and very sweet dainty like because uh, eliza the character she's very she's very driven like so sweet and dainty and that's how i did i mean the score isn't just sweet and dainty because that makes it sound pathetic but it, <laughs> it's sweet and dainty but with a sense of place and emotion and something much bigger and like you say it's a, a magical element to the it, score. exactly and it definitely gives the voice like you said it gives the voice a voice to these two characters who do not have a voice at all um 
apart from that dream sequence, which I have to say is one of my favourite bits in the film, even though I love films that are in colour and I'm, you know, I'm not against black and white films, but that black and white sequence is it's just beautiful. I, I love it. It brings a tear to my eye every time I see it because it makes me think of the old the old classic Hollywood stuff, uh, like the love romantic, the romantic scenes between couples like Fred and Ginger and such in stuff like Swing Time and various other films like that. But I do love that. It's it's a beautiful one. The other thing I was going to say, because I said it evokes the period very well, spy meeting. It sound it's got it's got an essence of the Cold War about it, and it also has a yeah. very a clear Del Toro stamp on it because Del Toro, to me, has a sound that is very unique to him. And there's certain instruments in there. I feel I don't know whether you agree. Have a they kind of appear in most of his other works that you know at least the ones I've seen anyway. I haven't seen every one of his films, but I've seen quite a lot, and I do feel they have that lovely sort of I don't know part Mexican, part you know something else like. A mixture of different cultures all coming together it's brilliant yeah this is quite interesting this is the first time Alexandre de Plaid actually worked with Guillermo del Toro mm. but um I think the score definitely does have that sort of there's a mixture of I think um some of it sounds a bit French and sort of uh, romantic mm. to to the spy part the spy music sounds quite tense and there's also that sort of like Latin American sort of inspiration to the film as well mm. and then on top of that we get brought back all the way back to america uh well like i say america like i don't know because if you think about america in the second world war they were like and you think about like the rise of the big band music and such yeah i do you kind of get all this kind of gets wrapped up so you've got a mixture of old classic movie musicals like cold war inspired music and then you've got i know why i know why and so do you by Glenn Miller and his orchestra, yes. which is probably one of my highlights because I love a bit of Glenn Miller every now and again, especially when it's like, like celebrations for like the anniversary of like um, D Day and V Day and all those kind of celebrations. I love cracking out the old music from the wartime era, and it's just it kind of wraps up this lovely selection of music that you've got, which is like you say a mixture of American, French, the period itself, different parts of the world, all sorts, Del Toro's own heritage, I I would argue, even though this is all composed by one guy who's not Del Toro, I do feel that there was definitely an influence there. I don't, what what would you say about that? Yeah, I know when they discussed the music early on and Del Toro was up for anything that they wanted to try, for example, it's quite unusual they use 12 flutes in the score and that's not a common thing and Del Toro just like, yeah, use 12 flutes and so he did. Mm. And it's, again, it's, it's quite a unique sound to this film. I think it's, they're both communicating quite open to create something new. Honestly, it is a beautiful film. And lastly, just to cap things off, uh, just give us like a quick rundown of your honourable mentions. Okay, the three honourable mentions are Joker, ah. scored by Hilda Goodeter, uh, The Phantom Thread, scored by Johnny Greenwood, and La La Land, scored by Justin Herbert. Ah, you see, I, I love all of those. I mean, I would say La La Land and Joker are, like, probably my top two out of those three, but all of them I, I respect quite equally. Um, quickly, last thing before we finish off, I was going to mention a top pick of mine. Um, I love the Thomas Newman score to Saving Mr. Banks, the Mary Poppins, like, how Mary Poppins came to be biopic, uh, about P.L. Travers, the author of Mary Poppins, the Mary Poppins books, yeah. and how her relationship with Walt Disney, played by Tom Hanks, um, discussing like trying to get the film made back in the sixties. And I don't know what what are your opinions on it because I personally love it. I love the again, it's a sense of 
period, the 60s sounds, and but also the lovely, beautiful, like, chiming uh, element to it, like, chimes in the wind, kind of, if that makes sense, for the... Uh, like the country scenes that we see in like Australia in the film, I, what would you yeah. what would you say? Uh, I I listened to the score and I um I really like parts of it. I particularly like the uh, end credits music. Mm. Um, yeah, despite the, it quite has quite an American sound to it to me. Like um like his cousin, Randy Newman. There's a sort of quite an American sort of like almost like blues sort of country inspiration within the scoring. And yes. I, I quite like that. And it's, it's certain sort of like nostalgia and homely warm feeling to the music yeah and we as we discussed earlier with if beale street could talk that there's a lovely bit of jazz uh like there's a, a short motif that's played throughout the whole film in saving mr banks there's a lovely it, it, i want to say like i said it's like a chime kind of it's a, it's a lovely like sprinkle it, it's so magical and like like you say it's very american in that in that respect as well and it's just, I, I, it really takes you away. And it, although the story is about, essentially the story is about an author and a studio head arguing over if they can make a film and the other one not liking what the other's idea is. And, you know, and, and it's all, you know, it's it's a daughter-father relationship as well and in the backstory, you know. For those of you who haven't seen the film, I would really, really encourage you to watch that. It's a brilliant film. Um, but it's the music of it is just very sweet. It's very emotive, and I, you know, like you say, it's very American, and obviously cousin of Randy Newman. So it's quite, it's very different to uh, <laughs> to you got a friend in me, but at the same time, it's still got that Disney magic to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, is there any last words you'd like to say on the, on the podcast before we go? Um, I think I've spoken a lot about music. I think that. You know, tired of hearing my voice, but thank you for having me on. It was great to talk uh, film music with you, Dave. No, that's perfectly fine. I mean, I will. Lo- I would love to get you back on. We've actually gone on for a l- little bit longer than my usual time running, but to be fair, I did call this a soundtrack special. So, I mean, people should be expecting a little bit longer. So, uh, I-, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us on the podcast. Um, hopefully, we might... Be- hopefully get Ben back again it'd be great I might get him back to talk about pop soundtracks that'll be a whole different kettle of fish altogether a um, little bit less his forte because he's more of the instrumental kind of guy as as we have learned over this podcast um, and so am I in some respect but there you go um, so yeah thank you for coming on Ben it's been a pleasure having you on and thank you yeah no that's okay and I will love to see you again on the podcast but for now guys that's a wrap on take 97 a film podcast with me I've been David Ingram this has been Ben Doherty and tune in next time for another podcast full of film related fun see you later guys